that is the number one topic of conversation that people should have with themselves because if you're not confident in life forget work i'm just saying in life for yourself you're not going to be the best version of who you want to be if you're not confident self doubt in my opinion is like the cancer to someone's growth success and capability and it all stems from lacking the confidence in who we are from lacking the ability to be comfortable in our skin from lacking the ability to accept who we are forget others i think the first thing we can do as charity begins at home is accept who who you are as an individual be okay with your weaknesses but then double down on your strengths unleash the things that you're good at and let that shine because once that happens people are going to forgive the things that you're not good at and so confidence in my mind is everything Why do we have insights when our mind is quiet? How do insights play a role in our ability to learn and when do they impact the trajectory of our lives? Welcome to Insight Out where we explore these questions and dissect how insights influence who we are and ultimately who we become. I interview New York Times best-selling authors and some of the most influential minds of our time to find out what insights have helped to make them who they are. When I realized that the world worked in many different ways, I'm going to choose to create a life that is specifically designed for me. I see infinite capacity to think and create. That's the magic that we all have. You can tap into that any point in your life. You just have to decide to do it. And as a leader, you have to be a transition figure. As Dr. Covey said, be a light, not a judge, be a model, not a critic. If you're like me, constantly working to design a life that will allow you to reach your fullest potential so that you can leave your mark on this planet, then you're in the right place. I'm glad to have you on this journey and hope you enjoy this episode of Inside Out. Episode 48 is with Aparna Mola. And Aparna is, she really is one of the most inspiring people that I've ever met in my life. This is part two of the interview I had with her last year. And you'll see why she's so inspiring in this episode. I've been meaning to share this one for a while. Aparna and I, we first met while working together at Solar City, where she was legendary for being the highest performing sales consultant in the company's history. In fact, she set the record for the most sales in a year. I think it was 246, which is insane. That was never broken. She's currently the vice president of corporate partnerships for the amazing nonprofit Give Power, which I am a huge fan of. And once you meet Aparna, you never forget her. I can assure you that if you ever get an opportunity to meet her, she will never be forgotten. She's a master connector. She's a relationship builder, a public speaker, and frankly, just an all-around amazing human being. You'll see as we get into it. So here are some of the highlights from this episode. She shares her secret to building relationships, including what she calls her cheat sheet for connecting with people. It's actually a book that she's been using for years to help guide her and how she interacts with people. We learn what she believes controls life's biggest decisions. She'll tell an amazing story of how she handled a situation that could have been a horrible situation when she got pulled over at Border Patrol Checkpoint and how she turned that into one of the most amazing opportunities for her in her business. 
She also gives us tips on how to captivate and emotionally engage with large audiences, something that she is a true master at. She talks about how she uses positive affirmations to build her confidence. And she tells us about her mentors, her loving and nurturing parents who they may not have been able to give her all the material things that she would want, but what they gave her is what's most important. They gave her their love and they gave her lessons on how to be a great person. I'm excited to get into it. So let's jump in midway through the conversation with Aparna Mola. Thanks, Aparna. Everything you're saying right now connects with me as a father in, in a way that you may not expect and that my my little boy who's seven years old, there is this connection, this undescribable connection that I have with him and being a hero to him and being that person that he could turn to. And no matter what I say, he will treat it as gold. He will treat it as pure. And the message that, that, that he and I have with each other and and the ways in which we connect with each other. It's something that I treasure. And I actually recently sent a note to somebody that spoke to our group at Tesla. And when she spoke, she talked about how eventually you're going to look back at those memories that you have with your child and realize how special they are. But in the moment, you don't often reflect or think about it. And I think it's so important and healthy to take a moment to appreciate the the times that we have with our children because it is more special than any other connection you could have in life. It's so powerful. Yeah, Billy. The days are long, but the years are short. That's right. And it's that's a great it's a great quote right there. We've talked a lot about connection. That is something that I think you have a natural gift, but I also think you've probably developed it. And so when I introduced you, one of the stories I told was of the incredible, truly extraordinary results you had when you worked at Solar City and set that amazing record. I believe that one of the, if not the biggest reasons that you attained that goal is because of your ability to connect. And so I wonder if you could share what your secret is to building relationships with people in such a deep and meaningful way. I I have learned it, Billy, from the very best, you being one of them for sure. I've had a whole bunch of mentors. I mean, I know you and I go back a long way, but I've had a whole bunch of mentors, people that hired me, people that molded me from just being a field organizer on a campaign to becoming a polished, well-rounded, knowledgeable, um, strong woman. From going from a girl to a woman was a hard journey. And I've had a lot of not to sound in any way negative or or to 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 tread those lines but I've had a lot of men in my life that have actually molded me into the woman that I am today I know that there is a phrase that behind every successful man there is a woman but it also goes the other way around 
that behind every successful woman a woman cannot feel empowered a woman cannot have wind beneath her wings unless she's got strong and solid foundation of mentors and a strong and solid male presence and i've been very blessed it started with my dad growing up and when i came here i've had my professors i've had a whole bunch of individuals that were my managers that were my leaders that were people that i looked up to as role models that made me into the person i am today that taught me so connection is something that yes i was you know dormant or i would say pretty active in me but I wasn't very aware of the power of a solid and deep connection with another human being and how many mountains that connection can actually move if you tap into it if you channelize it and if you unleash it from inside of you every single one of us has this ability and this gift to make somebody's day But what happens is we get so caught up in our everyday that we forget to make that person's day. I'm not saying I make people's day every single day, but I strive and I try because I'm consciously thinking of ways in which I can make my day and somebody else's day just a little better. And so one of my mentors back in 2012 actually introduced me to a book that is a bible to me in terms of connecting and building relationships. It's called How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. And in that book is what I call my life's cheat sheet in connecting with people. It's the seven keys to connecting. What he does is in this book he spells out seven simple easy and different things that you can do so you can have an instant genuine authentic and these are the key words genuine and authentic long lasting connection and relationship with the people that you encounter it's something as simple as being genuinely interested in people to smiling it sounds so silly and people might be wondering huh smiling can connect absolutely especially when that smile isn't just coming out of your mouth but that smile is coming out of your eyes because your eyes are the windows to your soul so when you see somebody and you're happy to see them or when you see somebody that you don't know but you want to smile at them don't smile through your mouth but smile through your eyes let it all out uncork that smile like you would uncork a bottle of champagne and then look at the magic that happens giving people genuine heartfelt compliments or making people feel important feeling valued or being genuinely interested in what they are interested in or something as simple as being an active listener because how often is it that we are having a conversation but we aren't present in the moment in that conversation because and i'm guilty of this because i'm so busy thinking about what is the next thing i'm going to say on the subject rather than actually listening to what the person in front of me actually said There's a reason why we've got two ears and one mouth is we should be listening twice as much as we talk. And so all of those things are wrapped up in that one book and I learned a lot about it. I proactively wrote out those seven keys to connecting on a sticky note on a post-it and I had it on my laptop at the workplace on my desk and in my home office. After every single client interaction, you won't believe it. I would go back to that post-it note with the seven keys and I would rate myself on each of those keys. 
And oftentimes than not, I would come back saying, oh, I got to get better at genuinely being interested in what they are interested in. Or maybe I could have done a better job at listening to what they were saying. Or maybe I could have just done a better job smiling instead of thinking about the next appointment that I got to get to and all the rush hour traffic I'm going to run into. So it was all those little things that I was trained and I was taught and that I poured my heart and soul into that made me into a master connector, that made me into an individual that loved sitting with a family at their kitchen table and going through photo albums of their trip to Europe or their grandkids' graduations. These are all little things, but if you piece them all together, they make up the entire puzzle of human connection human connecting or anybody that's in the world or the space of wanting to do referral business or that is in the business of sales or is in the business of even client interactions whether you're selling a product or a service or not whether it's business to business or whether it's business to consumer relationship-based approach to selling is what life is all about Because whether we are at the workplace or not, we are constantly relationship-based selling in our interactions. Because at the end of the day, it is emotion that trumps logic every single time. It's not the head that makes all the decisions. Even though sometimes you want to go into your headspace or you want to go into your head voice. But more often than not, if you ask yourself where or what controls your life's biggest decisions, you'll realize the answer is it's your heart. It's the heart, it's the emotion that makes all the decisions in life. And so if you can tap into that, if you can leverage that, if you can spend time studying that, not only will you become a well-rounded individual at the workplace, but even outside of the workplace, because here is how my connection and thank you so much, Billy, earlier for, you know, sharing my story about solar installations and the record that I held or the jersey that they retired in my name. I don't say these things to brag. I say these things for our listeners today to realize that if I can do it, anybody can do it. If somebody with, you know, a name that nobody can pronounce or spell out on a Starbucks coffee cup with a weird accent can do it. Hey, you got this down. And it's a small story that I'd like to share. But I was um, uh, I, I was working for SolarCity and I was doing in-home consultations. So I would go into people's homes. I would take a look at their electric bills. I would take a look through a satellite software at their roofs. And based on their roof orientation, I would design, and of course, their usage of their electricity consumption every month, I would design a solar system that would best meet their needs and would be a good fit for their families. I was on a road trip, and in Arizona, since we border Mexico geographically, I was going south in southern Arizona, and I was driving through what, there are lots of these towards the border, but I was, I was going into Yuma, and so I was driving through a border patrol checkpoint. 
And as I was driving through, my husband, who was in the car behind the wheel, he is, excuse my French again, this might not sound politically correct, but he is as white as white can be. When he tans, he becomes red. So he had no problem going to the checkpoint because all they had to do was look at him, not even ask him the question, hey, are you a U.S. citizen or not, which they regularly ask everybody going to the checkpoint. But because I was sitting shotgun in the seat, the officer looked at me and said that, ma'am, can you show me your paperwork? And I was like, yes. I gave him, I handed my passport over to him to take a look at my visa. And very politely, he was just doing his job. This is what he has got to do. Very politely and calmly, he said that, could you guys please pull your car over to the side on the shoulder of the road? And we said, okay, we pulled over to the side of the road. And he asked me to step out of the car as he was reviewing my passport and my visa stamping in and out. So every time you go in and out of the country, they stamp your passport at customs and immigration at the airport. He was reviewing all those dates. And there were a sea or an ocean of emotions going through me, Billy. I don't know where to start. I was angry. I was upset. I was mad. I felt like, you know, this is kind of shameful because I am a law-abiding, tax-paying. At the time, I was a lawful permanent resident. Wasn't a U.S. citizen back then. I wasn't naturalized. But I was standing right there and I was looking confused that why is this happening to me? Because I felt a lot of shame in the fact that there were cars that were whizzing past me for lack of better words and people were rubbernecking they had rolled their windows down and they were staring at me wondering why I'm standing on the side of the road with an agent with a gun and you know canine dogs and you know uh, all of this stuff and then he asked me a simple question a small talk he asked me that so Miss Aparna what do you do here in America and I looked at him In my head, I said, well, you just wait and watch. Let me tell you what I do in America. And I gave him a minute and a half um, version uh, of my why. And my life growing up in India, uh, standing underneath a streetlight, not having electricity, to being to having come to the United States on a full ride, to be able to go into people's homes and design a solar system for them and being able to conserve that resource that I didn't have growing up and how I'm making the world a better place, one rooftop at a time. And he just looked at me, he smiled, and all he said was, we can't solicit business at a checkpoint, but I'm very interested in putting solar panels on my home. Can you come out to my house and talk to me and my wife about it? And I was like, yeah, sure, why not? He gave me his address. He said, we confirmed a certain time. He lived in a little town called Sawarita, which is uh, on I-19. It goes into the border of Nogales. It's miles and miles south of Tucson. I go out there and I lived in Prescott at the time, which is like four hours road trip each way. So you're looking at eight hours a day of driving. I go out, I meet with his wife. They decide to go solar. They decide this is the right fit for them and the right thing 
something to do for themselves, their family, and for the world. And as I'm walking out, um, he asks me, "Hey, you know, you talked about your referral business, so that in your company, if I have other people that are interested, you guys have a referral program." And I was like, "Yes, we do." He goes like, "Can I send referrals your way?" I was like, "Absolutely, I'll follow up with you in two days." He was like, "Okay, cool." I follow up with him. He says, "Yes, a partner. Check your email." I've sent you an email. I checked my inbox and you will not believe it Billy there was a spreadsheet that was attached to his email and there are 800 officers that work out of the Tucson unit of the Border Patrol Customs and Immigration Border Patrol unit of law enforcement and he had 65 names for me on that spreadsheet and I'm I'm talking not just names but addresses of their home their cell phone numbers their badge IDs as well because they were all people that he had spoken to at their morning meeting about having gone solar and how much he enjoyed going solar and the process and how good it was not just for himself and his family but for his community and for the city and you know for the world in general and with the amount of sunshine Arizona gets every single day he was like it was a no brainer so he's like i told all my guys at our morning meeting and he's like these are 65 people who attended the meeting all of them said yeah we want to talk about it and guess what happened the year that i got 246 installs and 235 of them were referrals i went from one border patrol agent's house to the next to the next to the next that's all i did in the year 2014 so much so that solar city had an internal map of the united states of america and all the cities in which there is the most amount of referral business and they called it the most viral cities in the united states to go solar all the cities on the map were big name cities we are talking los angeles we are talking new york we are talking chicago boston or phoenix in arizona or denver in colorado and guess the city that was on the map a teeny tiny speck by the name of sawarita people couldn't even pronounce that city's name leave alone knowing it existed in arizona but we put that city on the map for the most viral cities in the united states to go solar and the reason for that is the power of grassroots the power of connecting when one inspired and empowered human being takes charge of their community takes charge of their neighborhood takes charge of their society it becomes a you've basically put light you've lit fire in king kong we can take down the biggest monopolies as long as people come together and that's exactly what ended up happening so sharing your personal why connecting with people in the most inopportune circumstances i could have stood there on the road and i could have just responded back and said you know a one or a two word answer and said i work for solar city that's it but instead i shared with him my why i shared a vulnerable piece of who i am i humanized myself in front of him and that gave him an opportunity to connect with me and then the rest is history
Because once connection happens, the next byproduct of connection is relationship. You don't have to do anything for that to happen. It just happens automatically. And once a relationship happens, the next byproduct of a relationship is referrals, is social network. Because when you solidify a relationship with somebody, they want to introduce you to every person that they know and they trust and they love and they care about. In a nutshell, that's, uh, that's my short little story. It's a real life. Sometimes truth is stranger than fiction. And so this right here is an example of that, Billy. I love that story. And another story I love is the story of your baby shower. Would you mind sharing that with the audience? Because I was floored when I found out who was in attendance at your at your first baby shower. <laughs> I'm cracking up before you even completed your sentence there. But that really is going to go down in, in my life. As you know, a fun dinner table Thanksgiving conversation or when Kinsey gets older, it's probably going to be a story. But here's how it goes. So I had my baby shower on October 5th of 2013 and Kinsey's due date was um, early November of 2013 so I was like you know a month ahead of time I'll schedule my baby shower I was working non-stop for Solicity at the time so it's same same exact job you know I was in-home sales consultant going into people's homes meeting with them looking at their current situation for their electricity consumption by reviewing their bills designing their solar system and I would do this like nine months pregnant I was heavily pregnant still driving around people's houses and just having a grand old time connecting and building relationships and getting referrals from my customers and I realized that a lot of the times when I went into people's homes we would talk about their electric bills and their the size of their solar system but a lot of the conversation revolved and hinged upon me being a first time brand new mom and what my daily regimen was being pregnant was I exercising was I gonna have a natural birth versus a c-section is the nursery ready have I planned and then the conversation always came up to this topic of have you planned your baby shower are you ready with all the things you're gonna need for a baby do you have a car seat do you have enough diapers like who all are gonna attend that baby like the conversation always ended up being tell me more about whether or not you're prepared as a mom and what are you planning on doing about it and so I got an idea one day I was like hey you know I work so much I don't have much of a social life outside of my work (laughs) and I hate to say this but quite literally in 2013 I was in somebody's home meeting with a new customer or with a new referrer or a new referral or a homeowner more than I would go out to see my friends. My social life was pretty much non-existent, but I didn't complain because I was having a grand old time meeting new people and forging new friendships with them. And so I felt like, hey, since I don't have a lot of friends to invite to my baby shower, how about I invite the customers that I've worked with so far. So mind you, I was six months into this role. I got into this role in about May or yeah, April, end of April, early May 2013 into becoming an in-home sales rep or consultant for Solicity. And I started planning my baby shower and I was like, how about if I invite 
every single customer that I have worked with since I got into this role. It'll be awesome because they are the only people that I lately interact with that know me for who I am and probably can give me good advice at becoming a new mom. And so I go out, I print out invites from Shutterfly. I send out these invites to every single customer that I had worked with or that ended up going solar with me. And I send, I mail these invites out, handwritten home addresses on the envelopes. I call them up, I text them, I email them. And I host this baby shower in Scottsdale, which is more on like the north side of town. And I invite all these people to my, all these customers to my baby shower. And on the day of baby, on the day of the baby shower, my manager walks in. And so it was at a restaurant with an outdoors patio seating, indoor and outdoor. And when he walked in, he pulled me aside, gave me a big congratulatory hug. And he goes like, partner, what the heck is going on? There's no parking outside. This restaurant is sold out. There's no place to, you know, even stand, leave alone, mingle and interact with. And he goes like, there's nobody I recognize in here. Who are all these people? And I smile back and I laugh and I say, yeah, because every single person that is here, there were 80 couples, mind you, couples, and 80 of them, eight zero, 80 couples that were in there. The restaurant was sold out. There was no parking up front. It felt like you were at a local concert or something like that. And I told him that, yeah, Blake, every single person in here is actually a customer of mine, has gone solar after they met with me. And so that just, again, goes to show that when you you go beyond superficial or on the surface interactions with people and when you emotionally connect with them the results they they make you speechless because even today after what six years of that event every time I narrate that story I'm speechless I am so so grateful which is why really earlier I said that deriving happiness out of the little simple things in life is so important because this moment if I had not bottled this moment if I had not held on to that moment it would just pass me by and I don't want moments like that to pass me by. So that story right there talks about the power of connecting and what happens when you genuinely connect and build a solid relationship with somebody or a group of people. When they say it takes a village, it's not just a phrase. I have lived that phrase that it takes a village because it took a village to get me to where I am today. I came into this country as one person. I came here alone. I had no relatives. I had no family and I had no friends. But today when I look back, I mean, I'm breaking up, I'm tearing up a little bit. But today when I look back, I feel like I have the biggest family anybody could, anybody could ever dream of because I've got family and friends that are countless that live in different cities that have I have an extended family that I couldn't even count it's countless and so that's just the power of what happens if you leverage and unleash that inner gift and ability that all of us have I just don't think we spend enough time in being self-aware of that gift what an amazing story. Thank you for sharing it. Your ability to captivate an audience is 
it's just remarkable. I've gotten a chance to see you in front of the room, tell these stories and others, and the reaction from the audience is unbelievable. And it's not surprising that you have such a great response when you have the opportunity to speak to groups your message resonates with them. You connect with the audience in such a profound way. Wondering if you could share what your approach is when speaking to large groups and would love for you to share a little bit about how you approach being in front of the room, which is such a valuable skill to have. Yes, you know, I'm smiling, Kia, because this is, again, one of those instances where if you had met me, that little girl in Bombay, India, years back to what I am today, this is a night and day difference because I was so shy. I didn't have a, I I would never be able to command a room or have the presence. And today I look at the difference and I'm like, I mean, I still get the jitters. I am still nervous every time I got to get in front of a, a group, but that nervousness is more around the excitement And the fact that I'm looking forward to sharing and getting to know a group of people. But I think it stems or boils ultimately down to this quote and this phrase that is stuck with me and like etched in my heart is that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Meaning, it's not that if you've got the right content and you are wise and like you've got all the right words to say and the right things to say, only then are people going to care about what you're talking about. In fact, it's the opposite. People will forgive you for mistakes that you make in maybe a slide or mistakes that you say because of your accent or in forgive you for a misspelling. People will forgive you for all of that as long as they know that the message behind your delivery was because you cared about them. You care about their success. You care about their accomplishments, their happiness. And it's coming from a place in your heart where you feel that sharing the story is going to give them that glimmer of hope or that inspiration or that motivation so that they can go out and accomplish big, big things in life as well. And so I kid you not, even till this date, even I have to get in front of a big room or a big group or have to speak in front of a live audience or when we had our sales stand down with Tesla and it was being live streamed across 22 states and 39 locations and 2,500 plus people watching me live, please know that I was nervous as hell on the inside. But the truth is that these moments that are daunting when you get in front of so many people ultimately boil down to the fact that if you can show people from your tonality, from your eye contact, from your aura, from your body language, and of course, through your content and your delivery. But if you can make people know that you care about them, and you care about their happiness, their success, their future, which is why you're giving them this message, you're going to be able to command a room like no other. You're going to be able to captivate a room and an audience like no other. In fact, people will not want to go on break. They'll want you to keep going because they're so interested in knowing what you have to say. And the other piece that goes with captivating a room or 
being in front of a large audience is passion and conviction those are the two things in my opinion that have helped me be successful there are two things that stayed constant with me throughout my success and the first one is passion always stand by and only stand by in my opinion when you believe in something wholeheartedly if you don't believe in something wholeheartedly i would rather say not do it don't make that endeavor if you're not going to jump in with both feet if you know with your eyes closed and if in your heart you feel that my heart beats for a particular role or a particular subject or a particular issue then talk about it so one is it takes passion and tons of passion and you can probably tell just by my tone of voice right now how passionate i'm getting about this subject of passion i feel like i want to punch the window in front of me jump out of this room and go talk to a bunch of people Okay, I'm not going to literally do that, but it just tells you how much I stand behind every word that I say. And then the second is conviction. Believe in yourself. Have the conviction in you that you can move mountains, that you are the change that you are looking for. You are the person that can make that change and you are the best version of who you need to be. The only person you got to compete with in life is I think yourself from yesterday because that is the only person I compete with. I only compete with the Aparna from yesterday so that the Aparna tomorrow is better than the Aparna you you're speaking with today. And that's the kind of conviction I want every single person to have in themselves. I mentioned earlier at the beginning of today's conversation with you Billy that you know I, English was my second language. I always feared that I would be judged for having to be fluent in a language that I didn't speak growing up. Yes, I went to school, was English medium, so I spoke in English in school, but the way I speak English or the emphasis that I have on certain words and the way I pronounce them I might be a little different. You know, my kids make fun of me for it and that's okay. But, you know, I've always felt conscious in a large room or in a public setting that I might get judged for it. or that my first name and my last name is a mouthful or you know forget a mouthful it's hard for people to pronounce and they feel guilty about it and i don't want them to feel guilty but the thing that kept me going is the conviction in the fact that if i can do it anybody else can do it If I can stand in front of a room and passionately share my story and have people accept it and have people identify with it and have people connect with it then so can you because at the end of the day an audience doesn't have to be a multitude of people even one person is an audience So my advice is I know it's daunting but but don't feel shy that you know I'm not good in front of a room or or I don't know if my story is going to be well received because there are 50 people in this room or 100 people or heck 5000 people listening to me boil that number down to 1 because if you can change one heart if you can impact one mind it could be as good as 5000 so when i get in front of a room and there are a whole bunch of people and holds like a 
a bunch of eyes or eyeballs staring back at me, in my mind, I boil it down to one person. And I look at that entire audience as though it was one entity. Because honestly, at the end of the day, we are one entity. We are one people. You know, our tone of voice might be different. Our, our message might be different. Or our delivery of a message might be different. But at the end of the day, we are one unit. You know, we are one species. We are one set of human beings. So I... That, that's how I basically tell myself or calm my nerves when I have to go in front of a big room or when I have to present to a larger audience. Conviction breeds confidence. And without passion in something, it's very difficult to have the conviction that will lead to that confidence. Confidence is a reoccurring theme that I explore on this show over and over and over again. It's something that I work on with my son. It's something that I know is so vastly important to the success trajectory of anyone striving to grow their career or do amazing things. When you're confident, people are more likely to want to follow you. You talked about how your confidence has grown over time. Curious what you attribute your growth and confidence to. And if you could walk us through how you've become such a confident person when if you flash back to your early childhood and probably even as you came here, even though you got a full ride and you had this incredible opportunity that was in front of you, your confidence was still growing. And I think it's still growing and it will continue to grow. Talk to me a little bit about how you, as you can look back and reflect and string together those moments that have occurred throughout your life that have built your confidence, what those moments are. Absolutely. I know. I, I think, Billy, that is the number one topic of conversation that people should have with themselves. Because if you're not confident in life, forget work. I'm just saying in life for yourself, you're not going to be the best version of who you want to be if you're not confident. Self-doubt, in my opinion, is like the cancer to someone's growth, success, and capability. And it all stems from lacking the confidence in who we are, from lacking the ability to be comfortable in our skin, from lacking the ability to accept who we are, forget others. I think the first thing we can do as charity begins at home is accept who who you are as an individual. Be okay with your weaknesses, but then double down on your strengths. Unleash the things that you're good at and let that shine because once that happens, people are going to forgive the things that you're not good at. And so confidence in my mind is everything. There are a couple of things I have done to grow my self-confidence because like I said, I wasn't a confident kid growing up at all by any means. In fact, I was also, when I first came to America, I was very shy. I was still kind of learning my new environment and I was doubting myself. I wasn't sure if I'm going to make it. I wasn't sure if I'll be able to swim. And there were days and there were nights when I told myself that maybe this is not it for me. You know, maybe after I get my MBA, I should just fly back home to India. You know, I've got an MBA. I've got a great degree from America. I'll probably get a good job in India. And I, and I can stay with my parents, go back to the life that I knew and I was comfortable with. But here are a couple of things that I did to make myself comfortable being uncomfortable. 
because being uncomfortable is a very scary thing it's uncharted waters it's probably hostile territory and nobody wants to go there but first and foremost you got to tell yourself that if you put yourself out there and you're uncomfortable it is okay falling flat on your face is okay and get comfortable with that idea and with that thought first and so i wrote it out for myself i'm also a big believer in self affirmations because i think affirmations on a daily basis can help you boost your confidence can help you take that happy level to the content level and affirmations can really make you into the person you want to be and so i would write it out to myself every day and i would say that you know i will be or i am comfortable being uncomfortable it was something as silly and as basic in fact now when i think about it i just go like wow that was such a silly phase or a stage in my life getting shot down on a date by a cute guy on campus when i was 22 years old i still remember was like the biggest failure i ever ran into believe it or not at the time i thought that that was like the biggest failure of my life and i remember telling myself like oh my gosh i'm never going to get asked out again or i should never talk to this guy again that i saw at the library because one of my jobs was working at the library and i was like oh you know i don't think i should ever talk to anybody because nobody is going to like me everybody is going to think of me as into quotes weird because i was so different because i looked different i talked different and i'm tapping into my most vulnerable i'm tapping into the most guarded parts of my heart right now but honestly that that right there when i was 22 years old i remember i started writing down that it's okay i will be comfortable being uncomfortable If somebody turned me down, if somebody shot me down, that does that doesn't mean I'm not going to try. I will still continue trying because guess what? When that one person says yes to me or when that one person is nice to me, that is the relationship I want to hold on for life. like I, and i would always equate it to fairy tales because at that time i was so young and so naive and for lack of better words so in the clouds that i i i thought to myself that it's okay right you, you get a lot of frogs and then you get one prince charming <laughs> so i i kept telling myself that it's okay keep going keep going but that affirmation that i wrote down every day or told myself every day when i was 22 that affirmation i have still done from the day i got shot down on my first date when i was 22 it's okay be comfortable being uncomfortable so that's my first thing to anybody that's listening or wants to get more confident and then the second thing is you got to surround yourself by a circle of trust meaning what i mean here is find those individuals in your life that make up your inner circle your circle of trust in life it could be two it could be three it could be one it could be a dozen however many 
or however few, depending upon whether you're an open person or, you know, you like to keep to yourself or you play your cards close to your chest and write down their names. And I know this sounds silly, but write them down in a circle. So draw a circle and then put dots at the edge of the circle. And wherever you put a dot, write down that person's name or their initials. Because that right there, graphically in front of you, you're going to visualize a circle of trust. And by writing people's names down, it's going to make it personal for you. So when I call a friend or when I tell somebody you're part of my inner circle, they actually are on that circle in my life. Because I draw that circle and I add people to it as I go along in life. Sometimes people come and sometimes people go and sometimes people stay constant and that is okay. Maybe there was somebody on your circle of trust that didn't live up to being in your circle of trust. That's okay. They can leave the circle because somebody better is going to fill that dot on the edge of that circle for you. And if that circle of trust ends up just being one or two people or one person for the rest of your life, you're still golden. Because those are the people you should tap into to build your confidence. Those are the people you should role play with. You should talk about over the phone or in person or via email on scenarios in life that mean something to you. So say for instance, you have a big presentation coming up at work and you're nervous and you've never done a presentation in front of important people or your boss's bosses or it's being recorded or it's live, whatever that may be practice that not just with anybody or not just with a peer or a friend but go into your circle of trust and find a name from that circle and practice that with them because then what happens is not only do you gain self-confidence but those people will honestly and candidly tell you what you're missing they will tell you how you can get better so you don't have to sit here and figure out some crazy rocket science or a math equation of how do I build self-confidence or how do I become better at what I want to be better at. All you got to do is you just got to go talk to the person in your circle of trust. That's it. And they'll tell you because they care so deeply. In fact, they are more vested in your success than you might be about yourself. And so in my circle of trust, um, I'll, I'll share, you know, this is, you know, one friend talking to another. But I've got my parents in my circle of trust, my sister that's been in my circle of trust, and that's been constant. They have never left my circle of trust ever since I was born. My kids are too young to be on that circle of trust yet. So as they get older, Older, they'll make it there they're still there but not somebody that can give me candid feedback and you know how to get better or maybe they'll surprise me I don't know but then I do have some very close friends and I do have believe it or not a lot of people from my work you know a lot of people that managed me a lot of people that mentored me that are not still around at tesla so they aren't my current bosses where they they are nowhere close to my everyday interactions but they're still on my circle of trust and so when something big happens i call them up we pick up from where we last stopped and stopped and they boost my confidence so these are two simple and easy ways affirmations every single day don't falter and second is build your circle of trust
So valuable. Thank you, Aparna. And it resonates with me so much because I also, as I think you know, have what I call my personal board of directors, which are the people that I turn <laughs> I like that better, actually. <laughs> hey, guys, change it from circle of trust to personal board of directors. I love that. Well, it's, it's, it, yeah, it's so valuable to have these people that you could turn to, that you could ask questions, that you could expect they're going to give you real, honest, heartfelt, and candid feedback, the type of feedback that you would want from somebody that you have such a close relationship with. Speaking of having a relationship and and having somebody that you lean on, who are the role models in your life and what examples did they set that you strive to follow? I don't even have to think twice, but I have two role models. One is a male role model and the other one is female. And I am so lucky that they chose to bring me into this world and they chose to have me as their daughter. So it's uh, both my parents. I call them mummy and daddy. Now, mummy might sound silly, but we follow the the British in India. And so we call our moms mummies <laughs> and my daddy. My mummy is, oh, let me, let me actually talk about daddy first um, because I want to, I want to wrap this question on, on, on my mother. But daddy has been somebody from the get-go that has taught me the kind of man I deserve in life. Um, the kind of man that, the, or, or the, the type of a man that not only do I deserve, but that I should strive to get and not settle for anybody else because he has treated me so well and with so much unconditional love that I don't even know where to begin. This man never bought a materialistic thing and I'm not over uh, I'm not being dramatic here or you know trying to overplay this but literally the guy wore probably the same two or three shirts and maybe the same set of pants until they you know got ripped apart every single day of his life until he had to go and buy a new set only because the old ones got ripped up because all he could focus on life was the fact that he's got a wife and he's got two kids that he has to support. And he doesn't make a lot of money, but he wants to give them an amazing life. And so he grinded as hard as he could every single day, always had a smile on his face, never thought about anything else, but put us first every single time. And he's just this strong force. I never saw my dad cry, ever. Until uh, the airport when he dropped me off and I had to fly from India to come to America. That's the day I saw him tear up and he had a couple of tears coming down his face. But he wiped them up immediately, gave me a big hug and told me how proud he was for everything that I was about to accomplish because he said that he's put in the right values in me and now he just wants to stand on the sidelines and watch me shine. And then the second role model that I have is somebody with whom I have had a love affair ever since I was born. And here love affair has a very different meaning, but it is my mother. Such a unique relationship that I share with her. This woman and this lady is the epitome of friendship, motherhood, being an amazing grandmother, being my biggest cheerleader. 
She is my whole world wrapped into one person. There is not a day that goes by when she's not with me in spirit. Because physically, she's miles and miles away from me. You know, she's about 8,000 miles away from me and, you know, a bunch of flights and in a different continent. But I can feel her every single day. It's so weird. And I don't know, I don't know if this relationship and this bond has a name, but I feel her every single day. You know, when I go into something big in my life, whether it's personal or professional, I can feel her presence. I can feel her bless me. I can feel her support. And on days when life beat me down and I am just a hot mess, I can feel her shoulder that I can cry on. So for some reason, because of this one woman and one presence, I have never felt alone in my life. I've just never felt alone. And it's the most bizarre relationship because, and I mean this in the nicest way, is because I've seen a lot of people like being super tight with their moms. Their moms have taught them a lot. But this woman taught me the difference between being reborn in the same lifetime. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. So in India, we have this concept of reincarnation. We believe that if you do good, uh, which we call karma or karma, that if you do good karma and you put out good energy into this world, the universe resonates with that and gives it right back to you tenfold. Um, so I, mommy taught me that ever since I was a little baby. And so I've always lived my life like that. But in addition to that, when I left home 11 years back, she told me something that I will never forget. She said to me, this was minutes before I disappeared in front of her eyes and walked into the airport, got on the flight and didn't see them for two years until they came to visit me. But she said to me that, you know, there are two types of births that a person has. The first is your birthday, right? The day you're born. But you can't choose where you're born. You can't choose that. You, you can't choose what family you get born into, the amount of money you get born into, or the part of this earth that we get born on. That's why there are different countries and different continents. So that is your first birthday. It is the birthday where uh, the, the land in which you're born without your choosing. It's your, the, the birthday you celebrate every year because of just the fact that you were born. But there is a second birth that every individual has. And that is based on your karma or based on your karma, based on your choosing, based on your work. And she said, when you leave today from India, you are leaving one part of Mother Earth. You're leaving the part of Mother Earth where you were born. But now, when you land in the United States of America, you're going to be reborn. Because now, you're going to be born again, not just by the fact that, hey, October 10th, 1986, Aparna, you were born at 6 a.m. in the morning. Nope. But this is your second life that you're getting, a second lease at life, through your actions, and so she said, make sure that this second lease or the second birthday that you get to celebrate, you make it worthwhile. 
you make it such that your actions leave a footprint and leave an impact on the world and the people that you run into because not many of us get that chance or not many of us realize that we have that chance and so what i hope that we get out of today's conversation if nothing else is that anybody who is listening i hope you can get this thought and idea across that every day is the start of a new birth for you meaning whatever you did yesterday and previously in your lifetime you can put that behind you and starting today or starting tomorrow you can be born again based on your actions based on what you do based on the impact that you have on people and so there's no greater teaching than the one that she taught me and there is no greater lesson in life that i'm going to pass on they say that wealth comes in different forms and i didn't get a lot of material wealth growing up but that is okay because i think it's goodness like this that's passed on from one generation to another is the kind of wealth and legacy that i want to leave behind so thank you so much for asking me that question billy and thank you so much for giving me the chance to try and articulate these thoughts and and i apologize for mixing in a little bit of what we call english which is a combination of hindi and english <laughs> um because that's the only way i can i can express myself no 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 apology i'm just so fortunate and honored that you were able to share in such a touching and powerful way uh, it doesn't surprise me that you're able to do it because i know you but for the audience that doesn't know you i think that they're going to really appreciate and relish the story that you shared and the connection that you have with your with your mother and your father and the role they played in helping you become the human being that you are today apart from the last question it's very much an open-ended question given so many fantastic insights so much great advice what in your last words would you like to share with the audience listening to this show one first and foremost is that i feel like i'm such an ordinary person so the fact that i get this platform and i get this opportunity to be able to speak with with you on this podcast and our audience just know that i am humbled beyond words i am like my cup of gratitude is spilling it's not just full but it is spilling that i have to go get a second cup to catch all the gratitude that's over spilling from my first cup so that's i, I just want you everybody to know that and to really uh, if there's something that you could take away from all of this is i want you to be able to really take a moment stop assess your life where you are at right now and instead of having that slightest thought of beating yourself up on something that you could have done better or you know the coulda shoulda woulda if those ideas are coming through your mind as you take a step back and you assess yourself to just crumple that like a piece of paper and throw it in the waste paper basket because you are not worth it you're not worth spending your time on doubts like that what you are worth 
worth. Let me tell you. What you're worth is that big, bold sky that I talked about. What you're worth are the big dreams that need to fill all of your headspace and all the space in your heart because that's what you're worth. And finally, what you're worth is knowing who you are, meaning you might have to tap into your childhood. You might have to tap into your background, but I want you to know your why. I want you to know why you exist. If you figure that out through the course of today's podcast or outside of today's podcast, that is amazing. I will encourage you to stay in tune with that why for the rest of your life. And if prior to today's conversation and podcast, you hadn't given your why much of thought and all you were doing is just going about life every day and just going about the different motions, then I'm going to ask you and challenge you and request request you and humbly urge you to stop for a second in whichever track or path you may be in life go back into your life and look into your future and see who is it or what is it about your life that keeps you going because that's when you will find the path to the pursuit of your happiness every once in a while in life you meet somebody that has just a profound impact and influence on your life. And you're one of those people that I am certain hundreds of others can feel that way. I'm one of those people myself. There, I don't think there's ever been a person that's forgotten who you are. That is because you, you have that it factor. You have the ability to connect with people in such a truly remarkable way. And you're the type of person that when you meet, you're like, wow, I just got to meet somebody that is going to do amazing things in this world and you're already doing them and you're going to continue doing them. I feel so lucky to have you as a friend and as somebody that I get to learn from every single time we talk, you inspire me. You are an incredible human being and I'm so glad that we got to share your brilliance on Insight Out today. Thanks to Parna for being on the show. Thank you, Billy. Thank you for listening to this episode of Inside Out. I hope you took away some valuable insights that will help you in business and in life. If you like this show, the best payment you can give is to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. You can also listen to past episodes and see a breakdown of all the best insights by going to insightoutshow.com. And for the record, there's no greater compliment than sharing this show with your friends on social media. So if there's an insight or a lesson that you liked, please share it and tag both me and today's guest. And until next time, remember, your next life-changing breakthrough moment may happen when you least expect it. Insight out.